0: when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. That's rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. Rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. In a scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religious life. Morning cup murder. A smooth talker can get themselves out of almost any jam. But when that smooth talker has a woman handcuffed in the back of his truck, it's hard to put a positive spin on the situation. On November 22nd, 1945, a man was born who would attempt to talk his way out of a number of murders that would finally catch up to him. So if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Robert Benjamin Rhodes was born on November 22, 1945, in Council Bluffs, Iowa, but little is known about where he was raised as his father was a soldier in the U.S. Army and moved around quite a bit. But by all accounts, Robert's early life was relatively normal aside from some social problems in his formative years more than likely stemming from his father's active service. He was a good student, involved in a number of extracurricular activities, and played a few sports, although he did seem to get himself into some trouble when he got a little older. When he was 16, he was arrested for tampering with a vehicle, and a year later, for public fighting. Nothing too serious, but enough to land him a small criminal record. He graduated high school in Monticello in 1964 and went straight into the Marines. Unfortunately, that same year, Robert's own father was arrested for molesting a 12-year-old girl and ended his life while awaiting for trial. I couldn't find any information on how Robert handled his father's arrest and death, but I can't imagine he took it well and, a few years later, was dishonorably discharged for his involvement in a robbery. He attempted to go to college after his discharge, but soon dropped out, after which he tried to join law enforcement, but was rejected because of the discharge. Things were spiraling pretty quickly. He spent the next decade trying to get his life together. He got married three times, had a son with his first wife, and worked at stores, supermarkets, warehouses, and restaurants, before finally settling for a job as a long-haul trucker. Along the way, he began to develop a handful of new interests and hobbies, one of which was BDSM, a fetish that would later play an important role in how he handled each of his victims. Another was picking up truck stop sex workers and subjecting them to lengthy periods of rape and torture throughout the 70s and 80s, before finally escalating and taking their lives completely. The truck stop killer, as he was later called, claimed his first victim in January of 1990 when he picked up Patricia Cadence Walsh and her husband, Douglas Sikowski, while hitchhiking. He immediately killed Douglas and dumped his body in Sutton County, Texas. Unfortunately, it would take two years for his remains to be identified. Patricia was held captive for over a week, raping her multiple times and torturing her before finally dumping her body in Millard County, Utah. She would not be identified for 13 years and would remain in the basement of a Millard County Sheriff's Office until her chance identification in 2003. While, spoiler alert, her killer was already serving life in prison. A month after Patricia was killed, Robert grabbed an 18-year-old drifter who was able to escape and inform the police. He was detained, but after the victim declined to press charges, he was let go. The victim would go on to say that, after two weeks spent in the torture chamber he made in his truck, she was fearful of what he would do if she pressed charges and they didn't stick. She said it was her word against his, and she didn't have enough evidence to ensure a conviction. A few days later, Robert picked up 14-year-old Regina K. Walters and her boyfriend, Ricky Lee Jones, in Pasadena, Texas. Like before, it's believed that Ricky was killed almost immediately, while Regina was kept for quite some time. Ricky's body was found on March 3rd, 1991 in Lamar County, Mississippi, but was not identified until July of 2008. All the while, Regina's father received anonymous calls both at work and at his unlisted home number saying that he cut Regina's hair and left her in a barn loft. When he asked if she was still alive, the caller hung up. These calls, which were made over a two-day period a month after her disappearance, were traced to Oklahoma City on the first day and Enos, Texas on the next. This overconfident change in his M.O. would eventually come around to bite Robert Rhodes. On April 1st, 1990, a trooper named Mike Miller of the Arizona Highway Patrol found a truck parked on the side of the I-10 with its hazard lights on. He walked over to the truck just to make sure that everyone inside was okay. What he saw would haunt him for the rest of his life. Inside of the cab was a nude, handcuffed woman screaming for her life. She had whip marks up and down her back and would later tell police that the driver of the truck shackled her there, beat her, and would only take her out if she was tethered to a leash and collar like a dog. She had a horse bridle strapped around her neck and a long chain padlocked to the bit. The driver, Robert Benjamin Rhodes, attempted to smooth talk his way out of the situation, remaining calm and collected as the officer asked about the woman. But as you can imagine, finding a woman in that condition is pretty damning. He was arrested and charged with aggravated assault, sexual assault, and unlawful imprisonment. While handcuffed in the patrol car and awaiting backup, Robert was able to get his hands down to his feet and bring them up so the handcuffs were in front of him, unfastened his seatbelt, and almost attempted to make a run for it, but a fellow officer arrived in the nick of time. The girl was freed, and everyone was taken back to the station for questioning. According to the 27-year-old victim, whose real name is never given, she had been picked up at a truck stop just north of Phoenix by a initially very polite Robert Rhodes. Then she eventually fell asleep, and once she did... He shoved her into the sleeper cab of the truck and shackled her in his makeshift mobile torture chamber. He whipped her, punctured her nipples and labia with sharp objects, photographed her injuries, and raped her on and off for hours. In between whippings and rapes, he told her that he'd been doing this for 15 years. The officer who found this woman found her just in time. When questioned, Robert remained calm, acting as though a woman being shackled in the back of his truck was not only her idea, but not a big deal at all. And he was persuasive, so much so that they said if they hadn't found a live victim with him at the time of his arrest, he may have been sent free. They booked him on the charges and, in the meantime, sent off information to Houston since that's where Robert lived at the time. It wasn't long before a detective from Texas contacted them back saying that there was a similar case that Robert was involved in. The one where the victim felt she couldn't press charges. He'd cut her hair, shaved her pubic area, and systematically tortured her for two weeks. And if that haircutting thing sounds familiar, that's exactly what the anonymous calls to Regina Walter's father said after she had gone missing. This information, coupled with the rape kit found in his truck, were enough to convince authorities that they had a very dangerous man in custody. It was also enough to get a search warrant, and on April 6, 1990, investigators swarmed his home. Inside, they found bondage material, women's clothing, makeup, and some white towels saturated with human blood. They also found a large collection of pornographic photos taken of his victims in various stages of undress and torture. And, judging by their hair regrowth in some of the pictures, these girls were kept for quite some time. Some of the women were identified, and slowly but surely, all of the known cases were connected. Robert Rhodes was convicted of the first-degree murder of Regina K. Walters in 1994 and sentenced to life without parole. In 2005, he was extradited back to Utah, where he was meant to stand trial for the murder of Patricia Walsh and Douglas Zykowski. However, due to the family's wishes, the charges were dropped and he was returned to prison. He was later extradited to Texas for the murder of Regina Walters and Ricky Jones, where in exchange for dropping the death penalty, he pled guilty and earned a second life sentence. Police as far as their investigation can tell, believe Robert Rhodes killed more than 50 women between 1975 and 1990 that he picked up an average of three women a month, and that his job took him all over the United States. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on November 23rd. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon, or just sharing it with your true crime-obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This daily true crime podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching Morning Cup of Murder. I'd love it if you stopped by and said hi. Stay safe.